This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So dealing with a debt problem goes far beyond just the financials. Blair Manton wants you to know Sands & Associates is the best firm that you can choose at this point. They are BC's largest licensed insolvency trustee firm in the province, focused on debt help services for consumers, help thousands, obviously thousands of people get a, get out of from underneath their debt and really ultimately change their lives with that financial fresh, fresh start. So Blair's got some key messages of reassurance that he and his team want you to know. So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about Sands and Associates for anybody that doesn't know a little bit about your history, even? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, used to be called bankruptcy trustees, but Sands and Associates is a firm of licensed insolvency trustees, and we're the people you should call when you need a plan to deal with your debts. So, if you find yourself being stressed about your finances, not sure where to turn, don't know how you're going to be making these payments, or you're making all your payments, but you know you'll be in debt for decades to come, uh, a trustee is the best person you can reach out to to get a plan to get you back to owing nobody anything, to being able to have some financial goals in your future, uh, and to really achieve what you want to achieve on a financial basis rather than spending all of your money you know, on interest charges or things that just reoccur every month and don't get you anywhere. Uh, We were founded in 1990, um, and Sands & Associates, I'm proud to say we've grown to become BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees, and all we do is help people and small businesses deal with tough debt situations. So we're not a firm that does 100 different things to 100 different clients. We're very, very competent, very experienced, um, and uh, and we have a great reputation um, in helping people when they find themselves in tough situations. I also like the fact that, that uh, Sands & Associates believes that money problems can happen to anyone at any time. It's, it's really quite astounding to me over the years that we've been talking about this, Blair, that it's for sometimes for folks, it's just one thing that will trigger a whole host of other things. And before you know it, you're in this pit of debt and you can't figure out how to deal with it. And I like the fact that you know that going in. Absolutely, Elaine. You know, we're, we're committed to an approach of genuine care and empathy. So with each of our staff, our, our goal is to treat every client that, that reaches out to us as if they were a close family member going through a very tough time. What sort of empathy and support would that person want to feel? And that's what we aim to provide as much as we can uh, when we're dealing with our clients. And what we really want people to know is that they do have support. There's qualified solutions. Uh, they need to know where to find them. Uh, but there's absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, there's there's no debt problem that doesn't have a solution. That's what really just gives me so much energy every morning is knowing I'm going to face a bunch of problems on clients in, in different client situations, but I've got the solution to solve those problems because Canadian law is so great. It's very well written. I don't calculate the government a lot, but they did a great job uh, when they wrote their insolvency laws because it really does give somebody a chance to literally turn their life around uh, in a quicker and often less expensive means than they, than they thought possible. 
Um, you know, oftentimes what we do as insolvency trustees, you know, part of it is the numbers and it's understanding, well, you know, what can you afford to pay back and here's how the bankruptcy should be administered. Um, but what's really, um, you know, even more interesting and definitely more gratifying on a day-to-day basis is understanding what does it feel like to be in debt. So what's the current situation the clients are facing uh, when they pick up the phone or walk in the door? And it's oftentimes people are at one of the lowest points in their lives. And to be able to help them to suddenly start again, to rebuild that self-worth, to get back on track, you know, that could be just such a rewarding thing for myself and for my team here. And in terms of how it feels to be in debt, you know, no surprise to anybody, it doesn't feel good. And when we survey our clients every year, we do a very detailed um, survey over a period of a couple months and release it to the media every year in January. Um, Each year, it's very consistent. Over three in five people said the reason they knew they had a debt problem was because overwhelming stress had manifested itself and they just couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, For two-thirds of people, self-esteem was suffering because of being in debt uh, in a similar proportion their health was suffering so um, you know stress isn't good for anybody at any time and definitely we're understanding more and more how physically stress can manifest itself to the point of you know even even causing death in, in certain people so uh, definitely dealing with the financial stress can often have really significantly positive physical impacts uh, and you know finally as much as one in six people that reached out to us had said they had contemplated thoughts of suicide to deal with their financial situation again for some for a situation where we know there's a solution we know people just need to reach out to know that as much as many as one in six people just don't realize that uh, and really have some dark days and dark thoughts uh, just tells us we need to continue to do as much as we can to get the word out that empathetic and supportive debt solutions do exist. I'd, I'd like to keep talking about that part, Blair, because I think it's really important and is really significant for Sands and Associates in terms of how you and all of the staff in the offices uh, do your business and talk to people and support them and, and help them through this, the um, whatever situation. And I think the number one one that I've heard you say so many times is your your financial problems do not define you. And I think that is so embedded in people that it, that they believe it does. Um, and I think it comes from, you know, our parents and our parents' parents, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that have just sort of instilled that. But, but it's not true, especially in today's um, landscape where, boy, oh, boy, things can change so quickly for folks. Yeah, it's, it's often, you know, it's a sign of a very moral person to want to honor all of your obligations and your commitments. And when you think about it, you borrowed the money, you made a commitment that you were going to pay it back. And it's not comfortable to be in a situation where you can't meet a commitment that you've made. And oftentimes, the more moral and upstanding the person, you know, the harder that they can really take that and it can really cause, you know, a significant hit to their self-esteem and a sense of self-worth. Um, so, so much of our meetings, especially at first, is just helping people really separate that, really understand that, you know, being in debt is a temporary situation. It's not a permanent state. You are not defined by being in debt now. Um, you know, if you're in debt five years from now, well, that's, that's a bit of a challenge. You didn't take the steps and that's going to start to define you, but don't let that happen, you know. Um, it's not a reflection of you of your character, you or your character. And quite often, being in debt is often not your fault. So one of my colleagues, uh, her name is Darlene, one of her uh, pieces of advice that she put on her bio, which I thought was great, is she says, financial difficulties are not a reflection of who you are as a person. They're only a symptom of something bigger that you may have no control over. And this really played out in our survey as well. As many as four out of five individuals, when we really drilled down, what's what's the issue that caused you to have to file a bankruptcy or a proposal? Four of the five top main causes were illness, injury, or health-related problems not within your control, 
overextension of credit due to cost of living, outpacing income, generally not within your control. You're not con- con- controlling the inflation these days that's happening. Marital or relationship breakdown, oftentimes that can come without warning. And then job-related or job loss. So the vast majority of situations, when I sit down and I, and I, I hear an individual's uh, story of what they've been through and what they've done, Sometimes I can't find anything that they could have done different that would lead to a different outcome. And what they need to do is just start to forgive themselves a little bit for some of, you know, okay, maybe they could have tweaked a little thing here or there, but it wouldn't have resulted in a sea change to their situation. Uh, They need to be focused on what they can do now rather than judging themselves for for their conduct in the past. Yeah, I think really good points, Blair. Um, If we're already describing you or someone you know and you think uh, they could use a hand, uh, get them to give Sands & Associates a call. The the phone number is 1-800-661-3030. Or if you want to check out their website, please do that. It's sands-trustee.com. Now, I wanted to move on a little bit, Blair, and talk about some of the things that Sands & Associates and and your estate managers want people to know when it comes Mm -hmm to asking for help. Yeah, absolutely. I think really top on that list is you do deserve to live with dignity. So just because you're in debt doesn't mean that you have to submit yourself to harassment, to being berated, uh, to feeling like a failure. Uh, Being in debt can cause a lot of shame, a lot of self-blame. Uh, but everyone is deserving of a financial fresh start. And regardless of, of any of your debt situation, you absolutely do deserve to be treated with and to live with dignity and respect. So we try to emphasize that right from the start, uh, that as humans, we've got certain things that, you know, just the base level of dignity and respect is just endemic to us. Um, and we want people to understand as well, you know, life goes on and you can and will move beyond this current challenge. So it can be really, really tough in the moment in the eye of the storm to think out, you know, two, five or 10 years and know that eventually all this shall pass. Um, but absolutely, as I've often said, you know, debt always has a solution. It's not something that's going to persist for your entire life. So you will be able to move forward. What are a couple of other ones? I know you've got I've got a few more listed that we want to talk about. Yeah, I think just one uh, last quote that I would say here, it's from my colleague Raj, um, on, on his bio, again, one of his key pieces of advice that he gives is we can't control what happened in the past, but we can help you understand where you're at today so you can move forward to your goals and your debt-free future. So the more that we can get away from really dwelling on all that's happened in the past, all that we could have controlled or not, um, really focus on the future, focus on that plan, get behind it and get enthused about it, um, that's where we're going to have the real transformation, the real change, the turnaround in people's lives. Are, are people or most people surprised to learn um, the kinds of things that come with figuring out debt and debt management? Every day. Um, Elena, it's, sometimes it's I enjoy my job because I feel like I'm giving good news a lot of times that people didn't anticipate. So, you know, a lot of times people feel like they're the only person facing their situation. No one's ever been through it before. And people are quite surprised to learn, um, you know, in 2019, there were almost 140,000 people in Canada across the country um, who worked with a a licensed insolvency trustee to file either a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. So somewhere between 100 and 150,000 people year in, year out in Canada do restructure their debts. And so you're definitely not alone. Um, quite often, people are really surprised to learn um, that credit and debt borrowing and credit ratings, how everything interacts, is not how they, how they typically thought. Uh, and there's a lot of education in our counseling sessions about how credit ratings actually work, about how often keeping a perfect credit rating can be at the expense of your overall financial health. 
So I really enjoyed that part of it of helping people understand, you know, yeah, credit rating is a report card. You don't need to have A pluses at every stage in your life. And sometimes um, the right decision is to take a short term hit to your credit report, restructure all the debt and then be in a better position to save money in the future and rebuild the credit over time. So oftentimes people are very surprised to see, okay, we can have a strategy with our credit rating. It doesn't need to just be perfect at every stage. And how straightforward are debt solutions these days? And how, you know, how do the processes that people can choose from actually work? I know you've got some good, good statistics on that. Yeah, well, for most people, they're very surprised to know how how actually straightforward and easy it is to file either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. It's still something you don't go into lightly. But for 80% of people, they said if they knew how straightforward it was, they would have acted more quickly. So if you think it's a very difficult, convoluted process, it isn't. Um, And I think for another thing that people are sometimes surprised is when you're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee, an LIT is not paid by commission, not paid by your creditors at all. So they really don't have a vested interest in you pursuing one option or another. An LIT is just an impartial, an officer of the court, essentially, to help you understand what your options are and help you choose the right option to move forward. I'm going to give you the phone number again. It's 1-800-661-3030 to uh, get that first appointment. Sands-trustee.com is the website. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. This is a great segment. 10 things to know about personal bankruptcy. And it's really like 10 facts about personal bankruptcy that you might not have known. It's one of those crazy, scary words uh, that you think it's one thing, but actually it's a whole bunch of other things. And it's and it's different in British Columbia than it would be in Alberta. Right, Blair? Like it, it, our, we have different rules. Each province has different rules. Yeah, that, that's right, Elaine. So the legislation is federal, but it interacts with a bunch of provincial regulations. So, for example, uh, in the province of B.C., if you've got a home and there's some equity, you've got a certain amount that's exempt if you file for bankruptcy. Uh, if you're in Alberta, it's a different amount that's exempt. So from province to province, it can be a little bit different. Uh, but the overall proceeding itself, it's generally a federal rule. But again, it can be quite different on where you file. And if it's something that you think, oh, I'm in this alone, nobody else, nobody knows anything about this, they won't be able to understand my situation, um, we know, just because I've been hanging out with you for a while, Blair, how common it is for people to get professional debt help from a licensed insolvency trustee. You would be amazed, Elaine, at uh, the people that come through our door. It's literally all walks of life. Um, I've had people I've assisted with bankruptcies that went, have went on to be federal members of parliament uh, who run successful medical and legal practices, uh, all the way to folks who are in their 70s or 80s and, you know, just carry debt into retirement. And now it's just, you know, stressing them out to no end. So um, you're definitely not alone if you're facing financial challenges. Um, in Canada, the rate of bankruptcies is about 4.6 out of every 1,000 Canadians. So on a, on a yearly basis, about half of a percent of us um, end up seeing a trustee for a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. And what that means is in 2019, which is the most recent stats, it was over 140,000 individuals filed either a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. And in the province of BC, it was around 1,000 people a month uh, were visiting a trustee to file either a bankruptcy or a proposal. So odds are someone in your life has had to restructure their debts. You may not know about it because bankruptcy is generally a very private process and you're only notified if you're one of the people who's not getting paid. It doesn't go in the newspaper, but it's definitely something that more and more Canadians are taking advantage of to restructure themselves. Now, do I already know the answer to this question? 2020, that that data, those numbers aren't in yet for you. Um, 
is it considerably more? Is it hugely more? Or, you know, where where did 2020 sit with these kinds of numbers? Well, and that or was what was fascinating because yeah. January and February of 2020 were crazily busy. They were the busiest months we had ever seen. And, you know, the market itself seemed to be going up about 15% year over year, which is quite large. So we thought, okay, a lot of this debt that's out there is it's starting to reckon. Um, and then the pandemic hit and insolvency filings, obviously it was no longer a top priority to file a bankruptcy or a proposal if we're all in lockdown and, you know, just trying to survive for periods of time. And then the government stepped in with some great programs like the Canada Emergency Response Benefit and creditors came forward with payroll deferrals. So bankruptcy actually went to a 20-year low uh, during much of 2020, but it started to recover very recently. The numbers are definitely starting to come back because government supports are becoming less and less, and creditors are starting to collect again and take people to court. And people are, are sort of doing what they used to do or start caring about things that they used to do, I bet, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's coming back to normalcy, so to speak. Okay, so we're thinking lots of people in the province chose to reach out for help. And obviously, we saw those, you saw those numbers in 2019, looking at consumer proposals and bankruptcy. But it's still a bit of a road for folks to arrive at the right professional, like a licensed insolvency trustee. And the processes aren't very well understood. And that's what this segment's all about. So can we talk about some key facts about bankruptcy and, and, you know, who's eligible and, and what that might look like for someone? Yeah, so I think we've got 10 here, 10 things to know. So let's see if we can get through all 10 in today's segment. And some of them might be a little bit quicker or slower than others. Uh, The first one is that creditor permission is not needed. So sometimes that's the first thing I say to individuals when they start to talk about bankruptcy is this is your decision. You don't need to get permission from anybody. You can't be denied this remedy. No one's going to show up and say, no, I don't want this person to go bankrupt. I want to be paid. Their, Their views just don't matter. So bankruptcy is your right as an individual in Canada if you owe more than $1,000. And usually people owe a lot more than that before they file. But if you owe more than $1,000 and can't pay it as it becomes due, you have the right to get relief by filing a bankruptcy. No permission is needed. Okay. What about what's uh, what's the next one that you sort of see a lot of? Well, so the second one is people have a misconception that, you know, filing bankruptcy is very difficult. They've got to source out a lawyer. They've got to pay the lawyer a bunch of money as a retainer. They've got to do some court applications. And the reality of this is that in Canada, only a licensed insolvency trustee can help you file a bankruptcy. So we used to be called a trustee in bankruptcy, which is very descriptive of what we do. But they broadened that title to be, you know, it's all about insolvency proposals and bankruptcies. But the first step is to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee uh, every trustee will meet with you at no charge, no obligation to explain the law to you, to help you fill out the forms that you would need to fill out. And then the trustee will execute those forms with you and then file it with the government to start a bankruptcy proceeding. So you don't need a lawyer. You don't need to apply to court. You don't need a bunch of money up front to access a bankruptcy. You just need to meet with a trustee. Okay, before we continue on, I just want to throw this in here too that that it's so easy to do if you're all if this is already speaking to you loudly that you need to take some action. Give Sands and Associates that call. It's a 1-800 number 661-3030. 1-800-661-3030 or go to the website sands-trustee.com. Now, you already mentioned that $1,000 minimum debt. And is that just in British Columbia or is that something that's a national number? Yeah, that's a federal um 
number right in the law. And again, the bankruptcy uh, law was written back in the 1930s. The Great Depression when a thousand dollars was probably equivalent, you know, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. It was a very extreme amount to owe. Um, you know, as of now, I don't have many people to file for less than you know ten thousand dollars of debt. But sometimes people at five thousand dollars, if their income is very minimal and the stress is just overwhelming, then people can file a bankruptcy for small amounts of debt. The legal minimum is a thousand. Practically, it's closer to five. Is usually the smaller bankruptcies that we see. Um, but it could be any amount of debt as long as it exceeds a thousand dollars. I think this is an important aspect too of bankruptcy is that um, getting a hold of you and, and get putting Sands and Associates into action it stops the creditor contacting the person. That's right. So when you file for bankruptcy, it's so important people realize you will get relief. So just by law, the day you sign the bankruptcy documents, uh, you no longer have to deal with your creditors at all. The trustee steps in the middle, basically like a referee, and explains to you to successfully complete the bankruptcy, here's the things that you have to do, and explains to the creditors that now that the trustee is appointed, there's what's called a stay of proceedings, which means they can't take any other actions, they can't call you, um, send you emails, demand payments, start any court proceedings. So you stop having to deal with your creditors, you just deal with the trustee after you sign a bankruptcy document. And this covers all types of debt. Am I, am I right about that? Well, virtually all type is what I would say. So any type of debt that you think should be restructured um, generally can be restructured in a consumer proposal or in a personal bankruptcy, which we're talking about today. Now, the only ones that can't be restructured are if, you know, a court has awarded um, a fine against you. You can't go to court. You can't file a bankruptcy to get out of your court-imposed fines. Um, things like alimony or child support, you can't file a bankruptcy to get out of those obligations. But I meet very few people that would want to get out of those obligations, usually it's the case if we can restructure uh, all of the other debts that are holding the person back they're then in that much better stead better uh, position to be able to pay the child support and pay the alimony on an ongoing basis but other than that you know general business and consumer debts credit cards lines of credit overdrafts payday loans uh, debts for a business that you've guaranteed even personal debts tax debt, student loans. It's just a long, long list. It's a, it's a shorter list to say what can't be included, which again, is just your support and maintenance obligations and anything imposed by the court. Now, the other big fear part of a bankruptcy is your assets. Um, what do you get to keep? Well, for most people in the province of BC, they keep all of their assets when they go through a bankruptcy. And that surprised me when I started to study to become a trustee. I thought, well, by definition, don't you lose everything if you're bankrupt? And, well, you know, yeah, if you've got, you know, the jet ski or the boat or the, the, you know, recreational toys, you might have to surrender certain items. But for the vast majority of people, there are provincial exemptions that actually step in to say, you know, it would not be right or just to take every asset away from somebody when they're seeking help for their debts. So in the province of BC, people keep their household furniture, they keep a vehicle, they can keep home equity up to a certain amount, uh, they can keep their RRSPs up to an unlimited value, um, their clothing, their work tools, and even certain life insurance policies if the beneficiary is in their family, you know, parent, grandparent, or spouse, um, all of those things can be kept if someone goes through a bankruptcy. So before someone starts to sell off all of their assets to pay their debt, they need to get some advice on what, what really would be at risk. What kind of time is involved in a bankruptcy these days? A lot less than you think. And this is seven. I think we're going to be good to get through 10. This is great. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm less, working less on it. Less than a year for the... <laughs> 
for the vast majority of people, bankruptcy is over in as little as nine months. So for someone who's never been bankrupt before and is considered a low-income individual, which is less than about $2,400 for a single person, they're in bankruptcy for nine months, regardless of the amount of debt, and they're discharged after that period. If you're not low-income, the bankruptcy runs a year longer, so it's 21 months. It's nowhere near the six or seven years most people have heard. I know a lot of people are always worried about credit history and the impact that something like this could have on it. That's right. So that's kind of the, you know, the downside that a lot of people focus on when you file a bankruptcy is your credit score essentially gets reset to zero. I encourage people to just assume you're going to start to rebuild from a zero base, but it's not permanent. It's not forever. And oftentimes people can rebuild their credit far quicker than if they had just hunkered down and tried to pay off all their debt for the next 15 or 20 years. So people typically can recover from a bankruptcy in as little as two to three years after it's finished. And it's noted on their credit report for six years after it's finished, but people can get a mortgage within two to three years of a bankruptcy if they've done the right steps to rebuild, have a good income, and have been able to save some money. The other cool thing about it, or not cool thing, I shouldn't, that's not the best word, but not everybody needs to know what, what's going on for you as a result. It's a pretty quiet process. And that's true as well. So again, the, the typical assumption is bankruptcy is a public record. Haven't you seen those notices in the newspaper? It's like, well, if every bankruptcy was in the newspaper, there would be no room for anything else. Um, so it is the case. Bankruptcy is generally very private. It's less than 1% of cases there has to be any public notification at all. The vast majority of cases, it's just notifying the creditors, the people they owe money to, uh, and then the trustee obviously is aware, but that's where it ends. So that's why if someone in your life has probably done this, you had no idea because you weren't required to be involved. And there's still a stigma around owing money. So people generally are pretty private about these things. And talking about money, what's the cost to the person to go into bankruptcy these days? Yeah, it's generally a lot less than what they're paying on their debt. So for someone that's low income in that nine month scenario we talked about, they pay $200 a month for nine months for a total of $1,800. That's all that they pay. There's nothing they pay extra for taxes being done or for counseling. Um, and that's basically it. And that can discharge any amount of debt, get you a fresh start. It's $200 a month for nine months. If your income is higher, then it's calculated based on your income, but it's generally a whole lot better than what you were doing to pay off your debts. So, and, and if you want to learn more about bankruptcy, debt consolidation, really anything to do with this, with this topic, booking an appointment with somebody at Sands and Associates is just probably the best first step you can take. It's confidential. It's a debt consultation with people who are super knowledgeable. You give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 or visit the website at sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. So, is it a bump in the road or a financial sinkhole? And the only way to know the difference is look at the key debt warning signs that just you just shouldn't ignore. So, Blair, every day you and your team at Sands & Associates talk to consumers and small business owners who are looking for good debt advice as well as solutions. In your experience, do many people arrive at the conclusion that they need debt help for the same reason? Well, definitely, Elaine, there's a lot of commonality uh, with the clients that come to see us. And what's also really interesting, too, is the balance between feeling in control of your debt 
versus death being in control of you can change very, very quickly. Sometimes things can really unravel in the space of a few months. Uh, sometimes things have been building over a number of years, but then there's some sudden shock and then things suddenly become a a crisis, but a lot of people don't realize how close they actually are uh, to a financial crisis until they're, you know, essentially in the middle of it. Um, you know, no situations are exactly alike. Uh, what we do every year at Sands and Associates is we survey um, our past clients and we try to ask those insights, you know, about how could how could you recognize your problem and looking back in hindsight, you know, what is clear to you now that perhaps wasn't clear in that moment. Um, and what also becomes clear too is that very few people actually seek help at the first sign of financial difficulty. It's only 5% of individuals said, yeah, as soon as I knew I was in trouble, I reached out, I got some help, I got a plan, I didn't suffer. For 95% of people, it's the opposite. They suffer, they flail about, they're not sure where to go, they end up being incredibly stressed out, and sometimes that can extend for up to two years. So when someone says, you know, I've had your number, I've been wanting to call for about 18 months, I say, yep, you're right in the ballpark of what typically people do suffer for that period of time and why they suffer what people told us is they're trying to figure out a solution on their own so they want to manage their debts independently that was the most common reason why people didn't reach out for help right away now second to that was they thought there was no solution to their situation so what i'm so proud of and what we do in this show is we really give people the information they need to understand there's a solution to every single debt problem you could be facing but the vast majority of people just think that it's hopeless they either don't know about a proposal at all or they have a horrible conception of what a bankruptcy would mean. Um, so the education we're able to give, you know, it really can be life changing. Um, oftentimes, people don't know where to seek help. So they don't know that the trustee exists. They don't think it's a person that, that can actually help them rehabilitate. Um, and then finally, just the embarrassment or the shame. And this is really universal. There's no one that I've met that's walked into my office, you know, incredibly proud of being $50,000 in debt. They might have been proud of all their achievements prior to that problem and proud of, you know, their future upside. But, you know, being in debt, it can really hit your self-worth, um, you know, your ability to be kind to yourself, your self-esteem, and all that can manifest itself even physically with health issues. So, you know, not getting help, it's really not a long-term strategy, and it can just get worse and worse. Now, I know because of how often and how many people you've talked to in your career, you have some really good ideas, some first things that you want people to be on the lookout for as potential signs that their finances may need some closer attention before they get to that really difficult stage where they're in trouble and they need help now. What are some of the things that people, you know, the average person could just look at and just sort of double check and see how they're doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of these might be might sound pretty common sense, and that's okay. Some might be surprising. The first, I think this is, you know, the most common sense of all is, are you surviving or thriving based on your budget? So having a balanced budget is not surprising, but that's really the basic recommendation to manage your debt. But you need to consider, is your budget revolving around your debt? You know, how much of your household income is spent making your debt payments each month? Uh, if it's all of your household disposable income, are you not saving any money at that point? Do you have any emergency savings? Do you have the insurances that you need if something were to happen? You know, if you can't afford to get contents insurance because you're paying all your money to debt payments and suddenly there's a flood, a fire, or something like that, that can be financially catastrophic. Uh, what resources would you have if there's an unexpected repair or a sudden temporary dip in income? A lot of folks that I see, their budget is stretched just to the max, uh, and they use credit as a safety net. Uh, but that's really not a long-term plan because eventually, um, you know, the credit could be pulled back at any point or might hit its limit, uh, and then it'll be a real challenge for you. Okay. So um, 
savings and adequate insurances can make a big difference on how anyone handles a financial emergency. But credit as a safety net can be super comforting, but it isn't ideal, uh, is it? No, definitely not. The better habit to get into is the idea of paying yourself first and figuring out a bit of a hierarchy. So, you know, your first thing is you need to make sure you're saving for that emergency fund every month. But after then, you want to think about, you know, retirement planning, a TFSA, a tax-free savings account, for example, or maybe uh, education savings plans if you have kids at that certain age. But if your budget's at the point where essentially you're only making ends meet by either going further into debt um, or you're struggling to just make the minimum payments each month, you're not going to be able to achieve your financial goals because your budget is just going to constrain you too much. Got it. Okay. And before we go to um, to move on to the other warning signs that you want to talk about, I just want to remind folks to go to the website for Sands and Associates at sands-trustee.com. It's filled with great questions and really good answers. And if you want to give them a call and set up that, that first appointment, easy to do. Their number is 1-800-661-3030. And of course, uh, they're super accessible, have offices all over British Columbia. So let's stay with the warning signs, Blair. What's the last one that you you think is super important? Yeah, another really important one here is what we call the minimum payment trap. So, you know, we've talked about if your budget is so stretched because you're only making minimum payments, but you really need to understand making minimum payments, though your credit rating might still look pretty good, that's one of the biggest warning signs that you're not on a good financial plan. You're on a financial plan that's going to keep you in debt for many, many years. So we talk a lot on on this show about, you know, various examples, uh, you know, a $6,000 debt, even an amount like that, can be up to 40 years to pay off at just minimum payments. And that was a really key warning sign by uh, by uh, clients who responded to our most recent survey. Only making minimum payments was 60% of people's main warning sign. That's how they knew they had a problem is they looked at their credit balances each month. They were straining like crazy to get all the minimum payments paid. And then the next month, they saw their debts had went down by just a few dollars, just maybe 10% of what they had paid. The 90% was payments in, charges out, and it really wasn't drawing down their balance. So the minimum payment trap is just so important to avoid. Now, is this where you always like to talk about the rule of 60 as, as, as a good tool for folks? Yeah, I think that's a good a good uh, little math test to do is to say, you know, if you think you don't have a debt problem, okay, take the amount of debt that you have, your credit cards, lines of credit, student loans, income taxes, things other than a mortgage or a car loan, take that amount, forget about the interest, but divide it by 60 and just see what that monthly payment looks like. So if it was $30,000 of debt divided by 60, that's $500 a month and just see, okay, if I really wanted to get out of debt over 60 months, forgetting about the interest, could I pay $500 a month? And if that seems like, oh my gosh, I couldn't pay $200 a month, that's a big indicator that whatever you're doing, even if you're just paying the minimum payments, you're not going to get out of debt keeping that same behavior. You're going to need to get help, ideally from a licensed insolvency trustee. And are there any other warning signs that folks can watch out for once they realize they're sort of moving into that next level of working on a plan to pay off their debt that we can finish the segment off with? Yeah, a couple of really important ones. Um, So one is using assets to pay down your debt. So not always a warning sign. Sometimes, you know, if your eyes wide open could be what you want to do. But many times when I see it, it's people didn't have eyes wide open. They used an asset to pay off their debt because they thought they would lose it. And in reality, it was a protected asset. 
So the common ones, the most common one that breaks my heart is cashing in RRSPs. So if someone there is listening, thinking about cashing in their RRSPs to pay their debts, because they figure they're going to lose them anyway if they're sued or if they have to file a bankruptcy, they wouldn't lose them regardless of a bankruptcy or even if they were sued. But if you cash them in to pay your debts, they're gone at that point. You can't easily get them back and you've probably got yourself a bit of a tax liability as well. So be very careful using assets to pay debt. Um, the other is just to be very careful about trying to borrow yourself out of a situation. So, you know, sometimes you'll consolidate all your debt together and you'll decide to refinance your mortgage, for example, but you haven't changed your spending patterns or the underlying issue that caused the problem. So then suddenly the debts go back up again. Um, or in other cases, you're looking to consolidate your debts, but you end up bringing in a co-signer, for example. So someone who is not involved in your debts at all, you've now made them fully liable for your co-signed consolidated debts. Both of those are very risky strategies, something consumers should definitely think twice before pursuing. All right. Uh, if you want, if you've got more questions and you want some answers, the website is great with Sands and Associates at sands-trustee.com or give them a call. Set up that first appointment, uh, 1-800-661-3030 uh, and get started on that plan. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. Cut and consolidate debt without bankruptcy or borrowing. And this is this segment's all about consumer proposals. And if you're going consumer proposal, what the heck is that? This is a perfect segment because we're going to explain in detail what a consumer proposal is. And it's often the ideal debt solution for so many people. So Blair, can you start with the basics? Tell us exactly what is a, a consumer proposal is, because is it true that people still don't know or, or that it's a new concept for them? Well, it, it's getting better year after year, but absolutely, I often say a consumer proposal is the most powerful debt solution you've probably never heard of. Um, and it really is that. It's so powerful in that it allows you to consolidate all of your debt um, into a single monthly payment around, amount. It stops all of the interest on your debts, so and not another penny of interest is charged in the day that you file a consumer proposal. And what's the most powerful part of it is a proposal doesn't generally require you to pay back all of the debt that you've incurred unless you generally have the means to do so. For the most part, a consumer proposal has a significant reduction of debt. So quite often people are paying back in the range of 20 to 40 cents in the dollar, maybe 30 to 50 cents, something like that, but generally a very significant discount to what the total amount of debt would be. And when you take away all the future interest, you know, suddenly what seems like a very unmanageable situation, um, you know, you don't know how you're ever going to get out of debt is becomes just a single monthly payment that you make over a term of up to five years with the right to pay it off in part or in full at any time. So to give you some examples, and these are real examples we filed in just in the last few weeks here, uh, one client had just under $30,000 of debt. They were making payments of roughly $500 a month, and they were getting nowhere. They were just paying interest for the most part. We did a consumer proposal that instead of $30,000 of debt, we offered $12,000. And it brought their monthly payments down to $200 a month for a term of 60 months. So they were $500 a month on the pay this forever and you'll probably never get out of debt. And we were able to bring it down to $200 a month, $12,000 in total. And if they decide to make extra payments, they'll be done more quickly than the five-year term. Uh, that's just one example. Um, you know, another one that I'm really proud of, and I'm seeing these more and more, unfortunately, is someone had a debt of 21000 but it was, with, it was with an alternative lender. Now, sometimes we've seen these diff different payday lenders suddenly start to make larger loans. Um, sometimes there's other uh, outfits that have been around for many years who loan 
uh, money out at the rate of about 39%, yeah, literally 39% interest, if you can believe it. Uh, their monthly payments were $1,058 per month. We did a consumer proposal that resulted in them reducing the debt to just under half, so from 21000 down to 9600 But check this out on the monthly payment, from 1058 down to $160. That was one of the most significant reductions I'd ever seen in a proposal, and it was getting rid of that 39% interest and reducing the debt. That was just a complete life changer for this person who just thought, oh my gosh, 40% interest, how am I ever going to get out from under that? And she wouldn't, probably unless she had done this consumer proposal, uh, but it was just a complete new day for her. Wow. And and did I, um, can you just mention the, the hard numbers, uh, what the what the totals are that you can file or, or use cons, uh, consumer proposal for between what total and what total? What do you have to owe at that point? Of course, good question. So to do a consumer proposal, the minimum amount of debt is just $1,000. And we don't see many for that low, but often five or 10000 is a good minimum. The maximum is up to $250,000. And that doesn't include your mortgage. So forget about the mortgage. Um, but any of your other debts, if it's up to a total of $250,000, you can restructure it as part of a consumer proposal. It's also possible to file a joint consumer proposal if it's a husband and wife or even just, you know, two people whose finances are relatively the same. They've got some common debts. They can file a joint consumer proposal, in which case the limit is up to $500,000. For the most part, the clients that we see, it's somewhere in the range of forty dollars to $80,000 of typical unsecured debts, credit cards, student loans, payday loans, income taxes, and there's significant reductions possible in that range with the consumer proposal. And you're a big fan of the consumer proposal. I can just tell how you're talking about mm-hmm. it. Oh, it's the reason I became a trustee, Elaine. So um, it was someone in my life that really had a debt problem, and I wasn't able to give them good advice, even though I went to business school, worked at an accounting firm. And it was only by looking into what are the options here, and this consumer proposal could really bring $20,000 of debt down to $120 a month in that situation. It was true, and that from that day forward, I decided to become a trustee, and that's the fact. 15, almost 20 years ago. So I want to share that with others to make them aware of just how powerful this option is. It really can be a life changer. And I know you've got some great, a really good list of all the other sort of debt management options that are within that consumer proposal and and why you're such a big fan of it. Yeah, you know, a a couple of key things um, is, you know, a consumer proposal can be all encompassing. So when you're looking at different things like a credit counselor, maybe working with a private debt repayment agent, they're not going to be able to deal with your whole situation because the government doesn't recognize anything other than a consumer proposal to deal with debts like income taxes or student loans or GST or, uh, you know, various amounts owing to the government or even ICBC debt. So when you're doing a consumer proposal, you're going to settle virtually all of your debts. The only ones that you couldn't settle are things like, you know, child support, spousal support, things that, you know, probably you shouldn't be able to settle anyway. You've got to go to court on those. But generally, other consumer debts are going to be dealt with in the proposal. And what's also really incredible, too, is the protection. So people generally understand if you file for bankruptcy, you know, there's a ceasefire. Nobody can sue you, take you to court, take any wages from you, call you, harass you. People don't always realize the consumer proposal is that exact protection. So if you're in a situation, oh, my gosh, I've been sued for a debt. I guess all I can do is file for bankruptcy. No, you could file a proposal, get that same protection. So it's just really wonderful that way. It's the best alternative to a bankruptcy. And it's to the point where, you know, 10 years ago, it was probably about a third or a quarter of people that came to see Sands and Associates would choose to file a consumer proposal. They just weren't aware of it. And some of the situation had deteriorated so much. 
Now it's two-thirds of people are filing proposals, about one-third's bankruptcies. So as soon as people are aware of this option, they tend to really gravitate towards it. It's a great way to restructure without having to, to file a bankruptcy. I like the idea, too, that it, it seems like it's a bit of a happy medium for folks. Did I, do you think so? Absolutely. And that, that's what I hear a lot is people feel a whole lot more pride uh, when they've stared down, you know, they could file a bankruptcy, they could pay less, they don't want to do that, they know they can't pay the debt in full, so the happy medium is, I made a deal with my creditors, I'm paying back what I can afford, it's more than I would have to afford in the bankruptcy, but I can have some pride in that in saying, you know, I'm doing what I can, I'm making the best possible alternative, so it can be that sweet spot between your creditors want all the money back, which you just can't do, you could choose to file for bankruptcy, and they're probably not going to get a whole lot back, but there's a lot of benefits yourself of being able to avoid that bankruptcy proceeding and of having just the pride of saying, I did what I could, I met my obligations to the extent that I could, and I didn't resort to a bankruptcy if I had any alternative otherwise. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. It's like I did everything I possibly could, and I, I feel okay about doing it this way. I'm not, I'm not getting rid of, or you know, I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it the best, the best way I can. I think that's, I think that's a really important piece of it. Um, and then just closing, we've just got about uh, a minute or a minute and a half. I know that's not very much time. Can you give us mm -hmm. a bit of a recap on the general advantages of choosing the consumer proposal? Yeah, I think a couple of just extra ones I'll, I'll throw in there, too, uh, is just if you're con comparing a consumer proposal to, say, debt consolidation loan, they might sound similar, but, again, in a proposal, you're paying zero interest and you're, you're paying back a reduced amount of the debt, not the full amount, but also with a consumer proposal, there's no credit check, there's no credit score required, you're not actually borrowing money, so everybody can qualify for a proposal. You will not get denied as long as you can show that you've got more debt than you're reasonably able to pay back. Um, and what's also great with the, the consumer proposal is you're never required to get a co-signer. So sometimes if you're doing a consolidation loan, the bank will say, oh, yeah, we'll loan you the money, but we want someone else to sign on the dotted line. And then suddenly they're responsible for all of your debts as well. It's something you should never do. And a consumer proposal, you would never have to provide a co-signer. It's just you dealing with your situation. Nobody else is at risk. I think, that's, uh, I think that's a really important piece of it as well. Listen, if you want more information, here's the phone number, 1-800-661-3030 to get a hold of someone from Sands & Associates and make that first appointment. Check out their website as well, sands-trustee.com. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.